0: This is the Project Upland Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode, we're talking to Kyle Lindy of Gun Dog Box. Welcome back to the show for episode number 129. Project Upland Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Use the promo code PUP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription today. And by Yukanuba Premium Performance Dog Food. If you want to get the most out of your dog, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Eucanuba Premium Performance lineup at UcanuobasportingDog.com. And by CZ USA Shotguns, Shotguns Designed with the Upland Hunter in mind, from the Bob White and Sharp Tail side by sides to the Upland Ultralight and Wing Shooter Elite over and unders. They've got pumps, they've got semi-autos. CZ USA has a shotgun for you. Head over to cz-usa.com to learn more. And by Doctor Callers, For over 30 years, Doctor has collaborated with industry professionals to create class-sitting tools for e-collar training, GPS tracking, and more to support bird dog owners in developing top-notch dogs. Learn more at doctor.com. And by ESP Electronic Shooters Protection, custom-molded, custom-fit electronic hearing protection Let's you hear what you want to hear and blocks out what you don't. Looking forward to getting back to the clay range and using my ESP Apex models. You could get yourself a pair by visiting ESPAmerica.com. And by Sage and Breaker, makers of gun cleaning products that protect legacies, the legacy of your firearm, the legacy of the sport, and the legacy of passing both down to future generations. Sage and Breaker lives, breathes, and makes everything at the highest caliber possible, and they're proud to pass that caliber of craftsmanship on to you. Learn more at sageandbreaker.com. And finally, buy Dakota 283 kennels, unparalleled protection, one-piece rotomole design, framed steel door, everything you and your dog need in a kennel for a safe and successful hunting trip. If you're in the market for your next kennel, head over to dakota283.com. All right, this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is Cody from Illinois. Cody's had a hell of a season and not always in the best way had a few bumps in the road this year, but he still found a way to get into the Uplands and do what he loves to do, including helping a young hunter kill and recover his first bird. sent me some pictures. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate what Cody has done in helping to mentor a new hunter and for listening to the podcast. Thank you, Cody. Appreciate it. Project Upland t-shirt headed his way very soon. Anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway. All you got to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show. You can leave us a rating, leave us a review in your podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, send us some feedback or a story like Cody's. Love to hear from our listeners. You can email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. All right, first episode of the new year, everybody. Excited to be back with you in 2021. I may or may not have one more upland hunt left in me before the season is officially over, but if not it's a long ways until september of 2021 but well, we got a lot of stuff coming for you this year and i appreciate you all sticking with us and continuing to listen to the podcast this week we're talking to kyle lindy of uplander pro and Gun Dog box which you'll hear a little bit more about today kyle and i talk about upland bird hunting opportunities in pennsylvania we talk about planning and going on an out-of-state trip to michigan which he and his friends did this year we talk bird dogs we talk gear a little bit and we mix in some conversation about gundog box and uplander pro let's jump into today's episode and welcome into the conversation and on to the project upland podcast of gundog box kyle lindy welcome to the show man thanks nick thank you for joining me on the project upland podcast it's monday man how are you feeling
1: uh we're back at it uh, feeling <laughs> feeling pretty good now sun's actually shining for once here in western pennsylvania oh that's that's good yeah that's rare so
0: it's been i don't know about you guys but so far it's january 11th today it's been a very mild winter
1: yeah december we got quite a bit of snow we actually were ahead of our like average snowfall um but now it's been uh it's we've been in about in the 40s here so not complaining too much. Although I do like the snow.
0: Yeah, I do. Once it's, you know, once winter settles in, I'm a snow person. I like, I've been out on the cross country skis and we, we have enough to do that. Conditions are pretty good with temperatures and stuff, but the trails could use another hit at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately we, uh, we only really got to dabble kind of hunting in the snow a couple times this year.
0: Yeah. So by the sounds of that, your season sounds like it's winding down slash over what's the status yeah it's
1: pretty much over um so you know for those that don't really know here in pennsylvania we have we don't have like wild pheasants right so used to a long time ago we don't have any more so game commission does a put and take um program and they their last stalking was like three weeks ago um and those birds don't last very long so there's probably a couple left out there uh but but they're few and far between at this point and in our grouse season actually um the past few years the late season has not been available for us to hunt yep. as they're kind of trying to bring that population back a little bit here in the area so that's all done uh we got a little bit of small game and, and that's about it
0: yeah well before we get too f- Far ahead of ourselves, I should have you introduce yourself a little bit and just give us a basic info on Gundog Box, Uplander Pro, some of the things that keep you busy.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, my name is Kyle Lindy. I live in uh, Grove City, Pennsylvania, which is Western Pennsylvania. Started Uplander Pro about a year and a half ago, and it was just kind of an idea um, to be able to go and find all upland hunting equipment for you and your dog on the website one place um you know i i was traveling for work and i was popping in and out of a lot of different sporting goods stores and they didn't have anything for upland hunting no matter where i went so i thought you know hey let's let's kind of get this thing rolling and and hopefully make something of it and uh, and it's going well um it's going well it's it's taking some time and we're still growing. We're still learning a lot. So, um, but it's going well. Uh, and then like you, you said, uh, Gun Dog box, we actually just purchased slash went in partnership with the original owner, uh, he had approached us and asked if we wanted to, uh, buy the company. So we have majority of the company, but he's still there kind of as like a consulting rule to help us out. Uh, and, and he is still involved. So, uh, we just took that over a couple months ago, actually. So it's been going really well. It's really fun. Uh, it's great to uh, talk to the different manufacturers and, and talk to everybody that subscribes, uh, you know, to Gun Dog Box.
0: And just to be totally clear, for those that would have no idea what Gun Dog Box is, give us the basics.
1: Yep. So, Gun Dog Box is a monthly or quarterly subscription box. So. Uh, you, you see these different subscription boxes for everything that you can get now, right? So this is for gun dogs and the hunters. Yeah. So we have, uh, like I said, we have quarterly boxes, so you get four a year, and we also have the monthly boxes, um, and it's for upland and waterfowl hunting. So we have two different types of
0: boxes. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but for now, I want to get back to bird hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned the grouse season. That, I'm familiar with it a little bit just as far as some of the research that Lisa Williams has done and just being known, knowing folks with associated with the Rough Grouse Society. Was it historically you'd have a season, an early season, and then shut down for deer season and then have a late season, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, we actually had like a few different seasons, so it would come in pretty early. Um, it would be in for a little bit, then it would go out, then it would be in, it'd be back in again for a little bit, then it would go out for deer season. Everything in Pennsylvania goes out whenever deer season comes okay. in, basically. And then uh, we had an after Christmas season. And a few years ago, I actually attended uh, Rough Grouse Society and, and with the game commission, the Pennsylvania Game Commission. Uh, it, it was just the Pennsylvania Game Commission biologists dedicated to rough grouse. You know, we were talking about how the numbers have been in decline for a while. They're they're getting kind of scary low. And um, so they decided to take that late season away. And the reasoning behind it was, you know, by that time, we've already kind of had some winter. Mm-hmm. So if those birds have made it that far, uh, you know, we, we don't really want to disturb them. Kind of like you guys up north, too. You know, whenever they kind of hunker down, you know, we uh, we try to kind of leave them there. And yeah. if they've made it that long, then they have a good chance of being able to, to breed, you know, come come spring and everything.
0: Yeah, understood. So, circling back to Kyle, where did you get your start in upland hunting? Are you, are you a lifer in Pennsylvania? Born and raised there? Got into the outdoors early? How did that happen for you?
1: Yeah, born and raised Pennsylvania. Basically started rabbit hunting with my dad when I was four years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, a bunch of his friends had beagles, so we'd run run rabbits with the beagles, and then just kind of hunted everything, um, you know, up through. And when we were in high school, had a few buddies, uh, close buddies that w- we used to hunt every day after school. We had no idea what we were doing. It was basically time to, uh, you know, walk around the woods and, and, uh, and shoot stuff. So the grouse hunting was way better when we were in high school than it is now. And uh, you look back and it's like, dang, if we would have really only known what was actually going on, we probably could have capitalized on some good grouse numbers. But, uh, but really, I bought my dog, uh, Buck, and he's a chocolate lab. And I bought him in the, in the thought of really waterfowl hunting with him more. Waterfowl hunting in western Pennsylvania is not all that great. And we started running birds and he just took off on the upland game and uh and just kind of killed it there so i got hooked even more and that's just been our main focus for the past six years
0: good deal well i want to grab onto that grouse hunting thing a little bit just to get some perspective and if you don't mind because i'm curious pennsylvania again seeing declines in grouse hunting and I've, i've i haven't experienced it myself i've certainly heard a lot about it but how long ago was it that you were in high school kyle and Yep. Just give me a little bit more perspective on like, you've actually, I mean, you're hunting some of the same areas and you've actually seen the grouse hunting degrade.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I graduated high school in 2010. Okay. So, um, you know, and really our like my sophomore, junior year was really when we, we got into birds yep. and,
0: uh, so we're talking a decade ago,
1: a decade ago. Yep. 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 And, uh, you would find birds, you'd find them in a lot of clear cuts, right? Just like anywhere and we had that forestry management was more of that clear cutting back then and, it, and it's just changed a lot you know even in the past 10 years uh but you would find those birds just even in the middle of you know big oak standings
0: yeah.
1: and uh and the more than more that you hear about why the grouse are, are declining and you know when you're hunting that really prime habitat and then you're finding birds outside of that prime habitat. That means that there's a lot of birds, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're just not seeing that 100%. I know I'll have some people say, you know, disagree with me on that. Yeah. Uh, but but a lot of the places that we used to hunt, they've grown up. You know, the habitat's not there like it used to be. Uh, we used to hunt this one barberry patch, Nick, and, and it was phenomenal. Um, it was it was very big. The barberry was probably about knee high. And uh, it was a hillside down to a little stream, and we used to flush a lot of grouse. And, and we actually went back up there this year just to run dogs, uh, and, and we didn't move one bird. And the habitat was still very, very good. The barberry were still there, a lot of food yeah. sources.
0: What what is barb? Is it like a low? It's like a low shrub or something? Yeah. So um, okay.
1: it's a small shrub uh, that has the worst thorns on it ever, <laughs> okay. and uh, and it has little red berries, and they love that. So, um, if you find barberry, you know a lot of times you have good luck of finding some birds if the habitat's there, and, and there just weren't any birds there. So,
0: cover, food, creek bottom, hillside, sounds like grouse cover. It's
1: perfect, you know. Yeah. Got the hemlocks and stuff down along there, and yeah, you know, yeah, it's really good. So, uh, yeah, it's just um, you know we used to hunt some really nasty stuff, and and even today you kind of go through that nasty stuff. Now, the past year, past couple of years, we have definitely started seeing more birds in those areas again yeah
0: yeah okay that's interesting yeah i I wouldn't i won't ask you to speculate on what you think is going on i mean there's been you know plenty of research again coming out of pa game commission i know lisa williams has been at the i i think it would be appropriate to say at the forefront of some of the west nile virus research over there in pennsylvania and, and look really looking at where the habitat is where it needs to be where it should be created et cetera, et cetera. But interesting to get your perspective, you know, you've been hunting there for, you know, at least 10 years. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So was it grouse and your dog that really opened your eyes to upland hunting and kind of got you fueled and going in that direction?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, uh, I I would also say, you know, and for anybody that wants to knock kind of our, uh, our put and take, you know, uh, program, um, you know, we hunted South Dakota last year. Yeah. For pheasants. And we flushed more birds, more wild birds out there. This was just a self-guided hunt. Uh, we just went on public land. We flushed more birds out there every day than we did back here. So, you know, yeah, there are pen-raised birds that are put out in the wild. They get spread out very easily. They get killed very easily by predators. And then they also become very wild very fast. So, um, you know, it's not as easy as, I guess, you know, you might think. It's not like guys are going out there setting birds in the field. Uh, so that, that really, and having that close to my house, uh, you know, we have a game lands 10 minutes away that I hunt pretty hard, you know, that, that's really been fun watching the dog work though. So that got me really hooked as well.
0: Uh, Yeah. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that when you go out to South Dakota and the opportunity is ample or can be plentiful out there. Whereas back in Pennsylvania, if you hit the release site right on the right day, it might be easy, but then things get more challenging. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. How does that release system work? I've, I've heard bits and pieces from different areas where, you know, folks know the release site, you know when the birds are being released. How does it work in Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, so they give a three-day window. So you know you know where they're stalking, right? So you know the game lands that they're going to stock on. They give you a three-day window, so Wednesday to Friday they can stalk. Uh, you don't always know. There are some guys that, that know. You sure. know exactly kind of when the truck's coming type deal. Um, but you don't know. And uh, and they put birds out. It depends on the amount of acreage and habitat that's there, how many birds they put out at each location. But, uh, I mean, it's a decent number. Yep. You know, mixture of uh, roosters and hens. We're allowed to shoot hens here because they're put and take birds. You know, we really don't have too many holdover birds. Uh, there are some, but but very, very little.
0: So like you'll see pheasants in the off season where you know they're still there.
1: Yeah, very yeah. few. Yeah, very few. There's a couple locations that that it's more known for that. Um, I actually saw this was about three years ago. I was driving across and it wasn't on game lands, but it was about a mile away. And, and a, a bird ran across the road, and about eight little birds followed it. Huh. So I flew up real quick and I got up there, and it was a, it was a hen pheasant with her young. Uh, which was really cool to see that you know a hen had made it a rooster had obviously made it they oh. found each other and had a successful brood and uh and who knows whatever ended up happening after that you know right uh but that was really cool to see so
0: yeah that's that's interesting that they they could still you know bring some chicks to life and see what happens i mean obviously there's some habitat there and birds are doing okay yeah i, I don't have a lot of experience with released birds i don't I'm pretty sure Minnesota doesn't have a program. I know my neighbors in Wisconsin do. And I've heard folks knock it in the sense that if it if everything was a zero sum game and you were spending money to release pheasants when you could be creating habitat for, say, native game birds or something like that, you know, I could see yep. where that would stir up some debate. But at the end of the day, if you can if it's not a zero sum game, and you can provide opportunity for folks to get out and use those state game lands, there's obviously pros and cons to everything. But
1: yeah, and here's the other thing on the game lands too, Nick is like yeah. the game lands aren't large enough all the time um, to sustain, you know, rough grouse numbers, um, or have the correct habitat, or a you know, solid piece of land. So a lot of the times that you're hunting and, and you're killing um, grouse or harvesting grouse, uh, it's on. Public or it's on private land, or it's on uh, you know timber owned companies, you, you know their land, uh, or national forest land. Yep. So the game commission, I mean, you know they can they can do as much as they can with what they have, you know, but they don't always have the stretches of land or the proper area to be able to kind of manage for rough grouse.
0: Let's dive into that a little bit more because I don't know that I've ever I don't know that we've ever gone deep Pennsylvania upland hunting on this podcast. And I'm just curious a little bit about land access, where you would go to hunt birds. You, you touched on it at a high level. there, talking about you. So it sounds like you have industry timberlands. You've got must have state and federal lands. You got the game lands mixed in there. What is the public land access look like out there?
1: Um, a lot of posted land.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, private land, um, uh, Pennsylvania is, is pretty well known for posting their land. So as far as as timber companies so Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania uh and especially Northwestern Pennsylvania is huge in the timber industry. So these companies alone vast, you know, amounts of land. Uh you Yeah, know,
0: P- Pennsylvania's a big state. It's a huge
1: state. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of nothing in Pennsylvania too. Yeah. So um you know, a lot of their cutting I guess uh rituals are still clear cutting so there's still some uh, opportunity for grouse hunting and stuff like that now they're not open all year but they do open them up the entire hunting season so okay. before archery and uh i think they close they shut the gates next week i think um you know so you can access that you know and then public land you know as long as the habitat's there that's that's the one thing with pennsylvania as well is Um, and and we went to Michigan and I think we'll probably touch on that a little bit. And it's kind of the same up there is, you know, natural land around here is not going to grow up and just be good for grouse, right? So, uh, either need natural disasters like fires or tornadoes, or you need people cutting, uh, and creating that habitat, you know, for, for a while for the grouse to actually be in there. You're not just going to find them in, uh, you know, 60, 80 year old oak stands.
0: Right, it's going to be pretty wide open, not much ground cover there. You need Correct. some kind of opening in the canopy disturbance to get the early successional stuff. Correct. Yeah. 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 You took a trip to South Dakota. You took a trip to Michigan. I definitely want to talk about that trip. Has your have there been other out-of-state trips? What are your what are your motivations in upland hunting right now?
1: Yeah, so so those are kind of our first experiences of going out of state. Okay. Um, so South Dakota last year, Michigan this year in 2020. Yeah. Trying to hit somewhere every year you yeah. know uh we've made a lot of contacts through uplander pro and gundog box and start yeah. talking to a lot of different people around the state and, and we talk to them and, and you know and and we don't like going the same place twice you know
0: sure yeah there's lots to see out there
1: yeah so we like to go see different stuff and, and we like to do you know kind of self-guided hunts so that's you know hunting public land yeah. uh doing it ourselves doing our research you know using on x and uh and stuff like that so yeah we're, we're definitely trying to get out and reach different parts of the united states you know kind of every year
0: so you've got one chocolate lab still right yep okay do you have a group of friends that you typically hunt with or are they all labs you hunt with different dogs what does that look like
1: yeah so um we have a group uh my one buddy has um he has a Brittany. okay and then my other buddy just bought a uh this was the first year we hunted with her uh and setter and um, he also has a, a red lab that's the same age as my chocolate lab. So we hunted with them for a little bit, and then we started getting, you know, they started kind of buying pointing dogs, and, and I think that that might be the way that, uh, you know, my next purchase may be uh, a pointing dog. As much as I love my lab, he's a, he's a good dog, man. He's, I hope that the saying, you only have one great dog in your life, is not true. Uh, right. Because uh, he's, he's been a phenomenal dog for me. So we kind of got a mix. You know, we kind of have a mix, and it was interesting. Up in Michigan, we ran uh, we ran two Britneys and uh, in my lab together, so it was it was cool. It was pretty fun.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, let's dive into the Michigan trip a little bit. Tell me about kind of basic trip planning, what you were looking at, how you how you wound up choosing to go to Michigan, and then you don't have to tell me specifically where, but were you in the UP? Were you in the lower? Well, how did your trip turn out?
1: Yeah, so we actually were going to go to Vermont. Okay. <laughs> um, we were not going to go to Michigan. We we were booked for Vermont and, uh, with COVID this year, yeah. um, you know, where we were staying in Vermont, uh, they, they said that, you know, you either had to quarantine for two weeks before you came wow. or you had to produce a negative COVID test. Well, with us working and everything, we, we weren't able to do that. So we started looking at Michigan and we found a place uh, about eight and a half hours away from us. And it, it was not the UP. It was it was, so, it was south of the UP by about an hour and a half.
0: Yeah, northern lower. Okay.
1: Yep. Yep. So um, we found a camp up there. The guy said, "Hey, you guys are good with dogs." Um, it was a it was a beautiful little cabin right on a lake.
0: Was it like a VRBO kind of thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was. Okay. Uh, I think it was at like Airbnb. Yeah. Okay. You know, and then for a month beforehand, we just started. Michigan does a phenomenal job. Of posting every year you know their cuts and stuff like that and access yeah. to hunting land so we just started looking at maps for you know about three weeks or so before we went up and uh it was very desolate there was nobody there because it was like a summertime kind of area so where we went there wasn't yep. a lot of people up hunting i mean there were you know we definitely saw some people hunting uh but there wasn't a lot uh we got hooked up uh, and, and talked to a guy that lives up there he kinda of gave us some pointers and in some of his areas that he sort of hunts, you know, and, and we just went from there and uh it was a full week of learning experiences, let's just say that.
0: Were you smack dab in the middle of lots of public land? I mean good access to public land.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh never never had that opportunity, uh, and it was awesome. Um it was all timber owned, you know, land up there or it was uh or state owned or federal yep. owned. Yep. Um I don't think we saw more than a couple acres that were posted, you know, that you couldn't cool. hunt. Um in the truck trails up there, that was pretty wild for us too. We'd never really experienced anything like that where Oh,
0: just like the the access roads and the forest roads? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you just go forever and ever, you know, and uh, on these roads and it was pretty cool.
0: Zeroing in on that discrepancy a little bit. You if that looked unfamiliar to you, I'm I'm just guessing, is it more in Pennsylvania do you see a lot more gates and you're just you don't have those trails to get in there?
1: No, so so there just aren't the trails. Okay. You know, so um like up in Michigan, you could go anywhere. You know, there was there was kind of those truck trails everywhere.
0: It's very similar in Wisconsin and Minnesota, you see the same thing.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah we just don't have that access okay. in, in Pennsylvania.
0: I wonder if it has to do with do you think it has to do with the terrain topography or or they're just not getting in there cutting the timber as much?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I think yeah. um, I think like in Michigan too, there are roads that they're using like for their oil wells, yeah. yeah, for the timber. They just keep up on them. And what you see in Pennsylvania is when they go in, they timber, they pull out. They don't do anything with those roads anymore. Yeah. You know, so the roads they get, you know, they kind of go to crap.
0: Yeah, the the infrastructure built around forests and like in Michigan oil that can certainly improve access for bird hunters and and. Everybody, really. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were looking at maps, you're going to hunt Michigan. You'd never hunted there before. Obviously, you're chasing rough grouse and woodcock, right? Yep. What were you looking at on the maps? Were you thinking, I got to find some 10-year-old Aspen and get in there? What was your What was your game plan starting out?
1: yeah so I mean we were looking for that like eight to fourteen year right yeah so uh looking for that looking for access to get to it we had kind of looked at some of the spots that uh that the one native up there sort of sent us mm-hmm. and said hey what do these look like on the map all right let's look for those it worked out sometimes other yep. times it did not work out <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh we we put a lot of uh, boot miles on when we really didn't have to probably you know and that that was part of the learning experience as well right. you know we would we would find these cuts and we'd walk back in a mile you know off the road right through the middle of the cut that's not what you're supposed to do apparently <laughs> you know <laughs> you, you, you need to you know hunt the roads more you know hunt, hunt alongside the roads and stuff like that and fortunately and unfortunately we found that out about the second to last day okay uh, and we really got into some numbers but you know it was a learning experience we had uh you know and i'll be the first to say it you know i'm not too proud to say we went up there and in four days, we flushed 49 birds. That's grouse and woodcock. Okay. You know, we, we killed birds the first day. And, you know, the guys that we go with, we always say, don't be disappointed if we don't kill anything. We're just going to see some new land. Right. Um, you know, so so when you can connect on the first day, uh, it, it's kind of all uphill from that, really, you know.
0: Yeah. Yep. it's Managing the expectations. What time of year were you trying to g- gather a little bit on... you you were flushing woodcock what time of year were you there
1: yeah we went up there um man feels like forever
0: ago that we were up there to be
1: honest (laughs) with you you know with
0: october was a long time ago i'm guessing you were there in october
1: uh we were yeah we were there october 12th through the 16th
0: okay yeah so right smack in the middle of the month yep generally pretty good grouse hunting pretty good woodcock hunting and that's seems to be what you were finding how was the weather
1: the weather was the weather was actually really nice okay um yeah it was beautiful we uh we hunted in the rain like kind of rain-ish one day and the rest of the time was very nice uh we missed the woodcock so we did end up meeting up with a guy up there we just kind of ran into him hunting and he was a local and he said hey you know you guys kind of missed a good flight of woodcock last week and they're kind of gone right now and sunday you know we were leaving saturday and he's like sunday weather's coming back down again Mm -hmm. we'll have another good flush so we actually started to kind of see that at the end of the week uh that there was some more woodcock in the area but there you know we weren't loaded up with them when we were up there
0: okay yeah i know i recalling from my memory around october 17th over in wisconsin was when we got our first snow and i recall a long saturday being out in the soggy wet slushy woods and that stuff didn't stick around it was we got out of it the following day but it was some weird weather in october but yeah it sounds like you guys were just ahead of that yeah yep sticking on this trip a little bit in where you found birds it sounds like you know maybe you dove deep into the cover sometimes and didn't find them but then found them along some roads and trails your first trip everything's new to you you're kind of managing your expectations did you see any patterns or any consistency in flushing grouse in michigan that you could say all right when we come back next time i would really focus on this
1: no and that was the problem <laughs>
0: <Nick>. <laughs> it's hard to do in uh, three or four days man
1: man it, i'll tell you it was it was something else so we we get in the first day that we hunt so we we got up there at like two o'clock in the morning we left after work we got there at two in the morning okay and we uh we actually just pulled into a parking lot and slept until like five thirty, and uh And we went to a couple spots, and within 15 minutes of getting out of the truck, the first time we flushed a woodcock and a grouse. And we thought, holy smokes, we made it, you know? (laughs) And uh, then we went the rest of the day and flushed a couple more birds, you know, and that's kind of how it went. I guess we kind of went up there thinking, hey, we're going to hunt these aspen standings, you know, it's going to be awesome. And, you know, the videos you see trudging through the stuff and birds going up, and that never happened. It just, you know, it didn't happen. They had a really good acorn crop up there this year. So we found some birds kind of out a little bit more, you know, kind of within a hundred yards of some thick cuts. Uh-huh. Uh But into the oaks. Into the oaks, yeah, yep. eating the acorns and stuff.
0: It's not bad when you can find them out there and that stuff. It shooting's a
1: little bit easier. Mm hmm. You know, um, they tend
0: to. I think they, at least personally, I think they, if they don't have the ground cover or the low brush, you know, they'll flush low and they'll do some funky stuff that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of wild too. The first day we were up there, we found this spot. Uh, and it was really cool a lot of cover Um, we we actually did get into some birds uh, for our standings or our standards you know we were we were pleased so we went back the next day and we're pulling in uh to this road that actually does have like a wooden gate on it and these guys are coming out and they're closing the wooden gate and uh so we talked to them and they were with the range service All right. So there's military bases up there. Oh, okay. And uh, they actually closed down the entire area that we wanted to hunt for the rest of the week because they were doing uh, sniper fire, like sniper training at one of their bases. And they have to close down so much land, you know, for that. So that was sort of a bummer, but the guys were super nice. They actually gave us a map. You know, they, they said, hey, we hunt up here too. This is kind of where we're finding birds. You know, I don't know, take it with a grain of salt when the locals tell you where the birds are, you know, to some out-of-staters.
0: Sure, sure.
1: But they did put us on some birds. So, uh, yeah, but it was it was just different different experience kind of all all around up there.
0: Did the people that, uh, aside from those guys, you mentioned at least one other person that you talked to, did they give you any tips on cover as far as telling you what to focus on, what not to focus on?
1: Uh, No. Okay. <laughs> so yeah so the one the one guy that we talked to you know we said hey what kind of cover should we find and, and his response was the birds are where they are you know so uh, which
0: is a common thing you hear with grouse and there's there's plenty of truth to that for that's, sure yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. i mean the way i look at it especially over here and i don't think it's it's not terribly different from the up a little different than maybe the northern lower from i've i've hunted over there a little bit but not much but in Minnesota, where I'm at, northern Minnesota, all the woods is grouse cover. Like, if you're in the woods anywhere in northern Minnesota, it's, it's you could see a grouse at any time. But, of course, as bird hunters, we're looking for concentrations of them and patterns that we can hit, play, and repeat and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's what we're all trying to find. But, like we said, that's hard to do in four days. You know, that was just, that was just the tip of the iceberg for you guys. You have to go back and see some more cover and learn some more.
1: Yeah, and the last day uh, I think we flushed eighteen birds. The last day we we kind of actually, I think, did something right, you know, and uh, and kind of found a a section of cover that had food and it had some clearings and it had some thick pines, you know, and uh, and there was quite a few birds in there.
0: Nice to kind of end on a high note like that. Yeah. Yep. Any memorable dog work bird kills anything like that from the trip
1: yeah so probably the most memorable was uh the evening of day one when my buddy Brittany uh met a porcupine Ooh! so so where we live uh we are actually about 20 miles south of there really being any porcupine okay so we don't think about that too much we had that in our the back of our mind when we were going up you know we talked to some people that said hey porcupines are really bad up here your dogs are probably going to get into one. So uh, first evening, probably an hour and a half left the light. Uh, uh, the one Brittany got into one pretty bad, and uh, and we ended up we ended up getting most of them out, but actually having to take her to a vet the next day. Dang! And had the rest of them pulled out. So luckily, I guess that's why you travel with more than one dog. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you know, we we had some really so so my dog. Being a lab, being a flusher, he works nice and close, but he is very high strung. He has a lot of drive. So when he gets on birds, it's, you know, it's pretty fast paced from there. And uh, in the last day where I said we were flushing 18 birds, he was kind of running through some pines and it was really cool. We got up to the end of the pine; You could tell he was pushing birds in front of him the whole way. And we got up to the end and, and six birds ended up going out you know, right there that we kind of had funneled down in. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, you know, the shot of the week we can say is, uh, is Brendan, we worked this bird for a long ways. And, and I guess I didn't realize that grouse would run like this. You know, I, I see kind of, and I guess it's more of the flusher mentality maybe to push them, sure. you know. We probably ran this grouse maybe 250 yards,
0: all right, you just had a uh, like your dog was just birdie for a long period of time. I mean, how did you how did that play out in hindsight?
1: Yeah, so we were actually getting ready to leave this area. Okay, and we were walking back up towards the road again. You know where, where all the birds apparently are, and uh, <laughs> and he gets real birdie, and we're ready, and and nothing's happening, nothing's happening, but he's just on fire. Yeah, and and we, he ended up kind of running two hundred fifty yards or so, and the and the Britneys kind of got around him. And we ended up actually pinching these birds between these two roads that were only maybe 20 yards, you know, wide of woods. And, uh, and this bird went up and it went back through us. And my butt, Brendan shot. And all I see is about a four inch tree just timber over. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, and the other guy goes, man, he's like, nice shot. You got it. And uh, I said, he didn't get that bird. I said, he killed that tree. You know, and the dogs go down and retrieve the bird, and, and he says, I guess that's why you, they say uh, shoot at them even when you can't think you hit them.
0: Right, yep, yep. And, uh,
1: and that was pretty cool. That was a really nice bird. The A lot of the birds we shot up there, and maybe this will play on, and maybe some more grouse-experienced hunters will say, well, that's because you guys are not well-versed up there. But a lot of the birds we shot were uh, were pretty young, you know, so we didn't shoot, like, some real big birds or anything like that. We were shooting right. kind of some younger birds. Uh, and, and maybe that's our fault. Maybe that's what we were in. I don't know. You know?
0: Uh, yeah, I would say that it's just, it's part of it. You know, if you're in good grouse cover and that's a good, you know, and there's young birds around, you're going to get better opportunities at those, no matter how good of a grouse hunter you are or not. I think, you know, more time in the woods and more opportunities, you're going to, you know, you're going to kill some older birds too, but I don't know that it has anything to do with your guys' experience to a certain extent. But. Right but yeah that's that's very cool sounds like you guys had a good time and obviously got into some birds which is the goal of any out-of-state trip and you're out of your element out of your comfort zone i've gotten to do some of that stuff in the last few years after spending a lot of time just hunting kind of a real you know small area of northwood's grouse cover and being very comfortable there it's 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 fun to get out of that and while it's challenging and you can be scratching your head a lot it's it's fun to get out and do different stuff
1: yeah absolutely
0: All right, man. So, that was the Michigan trip. We talked about your season in Pennsylvania a little bit. Did you come back and grouse hunt a bunch there? I mean, did you get out much in Pennsylvania chasing grouse?
1: Uh, so we did a little bit. You know, uh, when we came back, um, to be honest with you, uh, uh, so we own some property and, uh, and I had some nice bucks on it this year. Okay. So, I spent a little bit of time in the tree stand, you know, since, since we were gone, kind of in a, in a prime time of, of, uh, hunting. And, uh, then we did a lot more pheasant hunting so uh you know my wife was pregnant we just had our second daughter uh on christmas eve actually she was born so um you know did a little bit more stuff around here and then um you know we got into rifle hunting for deer yeah Uh, we we grouse hunted a little bit we woodcock hunted a little bit but we uh we definitely focused on uh on some of the stock birds a little bit more um and uh and thank goodness it didn't happen in michigan uh, but I just went in an absolute shooting slump like I never have uh, this year when we came back. So um, yeah, I won't even talk about numbers of how many times I missed because it's just absolutely embarrassing, uh, you know, but uh, the end of the season did not end up with a lot of birds in the bag, you know. We, uh, a lot of flushes and, uh, and I don't know what happened. Um, you know, I think everybody kind of goes through that maybe here or there. Yeah. That's, that was kind of my first experience. It was very humbling, you know, and very frustrating at the same time. So
0: do you shoot a lot in the off season? Do you shoot clays much or are you pretty much just a wing shooter?
1: No, no. Yeah. We shoot in the off season. Okay. Uh, it, it's not like every week or anything like that, but, yeah. uh, no, we definitely do throw some clays and, uh, but that was kind of the the talk was when I'd be out hunting with my buddies. Are like, well, how many shows you bring today? And they're like, well, you better go back and get more, you know, because it was <laughs> it was just kind of known that uh, the Kyle was going to miss here for a little bit. I, I don't know yeah. what happened.
0: I had a I would say a very inconsistent year with shooting too, and I actually keep track of my hit percentage in the grouse woods. And at the end of the year, it actually ended up not being as bad as i thought or as low as i thought compared to the previous year i think the previous year i shot pretty well and then this year it was just down and i think i i killed more birds on the second barrel and just never felt like i had everything going you know my confidence was really shaken this year so i know the feeling
1: yeah yeah it's a bummer but that's i guess i don't know
0: it's definitely definitely part of it for sure so what's next on the out of state trip are you eyeing something up or are you not sure where you'll go next
1: so we're not sure. Okay. Uh, we, we've talked to some people. We have some places that we definitely want to go. Kind of the bummer with being in Pennsylvania is uh, a lot of the places we want to go are pretty far, mm-hmm. you know. So we we really like to hit some out west trips. Right. We don't mind driving, uh, but you know when you start getting over that 20, 24 hour trip, you know yeah. that's that's a long trip. So. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I don't know where we're going to go next year, Um, and I don't know what we're going to tackle. We talked about a couple things, maybe Illinois or something like that, but um, I, I don't know what we're going to do.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes it's, you know, with bird hunting, if you maintain that flexibility to wait and see and kind of get some late summer reports, that kind of thing, it can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk guns and gear a little bit, kind of the Uplander, not necessarily from Uplander Pro, but any new gear, Gun stuff that you were testing out, trying this year. Anything that you really enjoyed using?
1: Yeah, so so not me. Um, I did not. Uh, I did not partake in any really uh, uh, new gear this year. I kind okay. of wore this. This was kind of my year that um, I basically broke
0: everything. <laughs> so you got to resupply now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So next year is going to be an expensive year, probably. But um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the guys that I hunt with, they both bought bought uh, new fronkies a semi-auto and, and then an over-under and uh and they loved them um i shot them a couple times when i was hunting with them and uh and i think that's probably going to be a, a a pretty quick purchase here you know they, they really liked him they had really good luck with them in some of the weather we were hunting in
0: yeah. um
1: and, and then uh and this is another one that i i need to try i kind of let my buddy be the guinea pig on it and uh and he loves it oh my god what's the new upland vest
0: um the final rise
1: Nah, chief upland
0: oh chief upland yeah yeah yeah. well you you ask what's the new upland vest there's at least yeah there's five
1: (laughs) of them i know i know that's what i've run through my mind i'm like yeah "Yeah, i can't think of a dang name but (laughs) um yeah so so uh yeah my buddy he bought a uh a chief upland vest okay and uh and he loved it you know um you know and we put some miles on him for sure
0: the chief upland is the one that i haven't Actually seen in person, but I've I've heard talk to a few people that have checked them out. And they like them.
1: Yeah, and to be honest with you, Nick, I was kind of just like skeptical. Uh, you know, whenever they were kind of coming out and there wasn't like actual photos of them. But even for the price, it, you can't beat it. And uh, then he got it, and and my buddy, he's military. You know, and it's got the Molly system in it, mm-hmm. and and he's like, man, he goes, this is like the exact stuff that we use in the military. And uh, and holding up wise, I know he's had some communication with the owner. i uh, been super nice yeah, to Jake. him. So yeah yeah so uh, i i think i'll probably give that a shot um yeah. i will say uh i was i was putting my uh, filson chaps on the other day and my wife says to me she goes man did you grow or why are your chaps so short and uh, that's <laughs> just because the bottom half of them are gone credit <laughs> <Dreaded. laughs> yeah yeah they're they're destroyed so uh we'll be kind of re-gearing hard this year you know the next
0: season. Well, so if you're wearing chaps, you mentioned that barberry stuff early. The thorny stuff. I the stuff that I hunt over this way is pretty tame, and really, other than some blackberry canes and stuff, you know, get in a little bit of hawthorn, thorn apple. That stuff can be pretty nasty, but we can. I mean, you can get away with. For sure, not wearing chaps. I never wear chaps when I'm hunting, but I'm always kind of looking for pants. And I think next year I'm going to need a new pair of pants. But do you uh, wear anything in particular under the chaps? Or are you just kind of blue jeans or khakis or something?
1: Yeah. So my my favorite one, and unfortunately they quit making them, but uh, I have a couple pairs of uh, Upland Carhartt pants. Oh, okay. I bought those. The
0: ones that came out within the last couple of years—they've yeah. already stopped making them.
1: Yeah. Dang. Man, just like super comfortable uh flexible breathable yep. you know thick and, and when we went to south dakota and to main or uh, to michigan um it was the same way you took the chaps because that's what we wear around here and we never put them on mm-hmm. you know you just don't have the we have a lot of thorns around here yep and stuff's kind of nasty so um but yeah uh, those uh, you know i was kind of disappointed when i heard that carhartt wasn't making upland equipment you know upland gear anymore because uh, yeah. i really really like those pants
0: I kind of had my eyes on those for a little while and I never did order a pair, but, uh, now I, I guess now I'm bummed.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and another, another thing that I wear a lot, uh, pant wise is, um, it's called Arborware. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's is that for like loggers. Yeah, it's for loggers. Okay. Super thick, like double material, but the softest material I've ever felt, uh, and a very flexible, you know, so it's, it's got, got
0: that stretch in it. Yeah. That's like become my favorite, and pretty much everybody puts that into their pants or clothes now, which is nice. But yeah, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Arborware—it's not a—it's not an Upland Hunting Company, it's not a hunting company, but man, it's—it's it's done numbers for me for sure. Huh.
0: I'll have to check that out. Anything else uh, electronics, that sort of thing? Or are you? Yeah.
1: So, so uh, you know, we run e callers on all our dogs. Yep. Um, me having the flusher that, and he listens very well. Um, I run a sport dog, no GPS. Okay. Um, you know, but, but both my buddies that run pointers, you know, they're running the, the Garmin, uh, the Alphas, and, and they love them, you know. So I, I thought, I kind of threw that up in the air this year. I thought, man, maybe I ought to get one of those. And the only time that I want to know where my dog is is when he runs away from my yard, you right. know. So right. I, I couldn't justify, I guess, the money this year, you know, yeah. to, to to buy one for that purpose. So
0: Well, let's dive into gundog box a little bit, and I just want to get some more details on that as far as... What What is your goal every month or quarter? What are you trying to put into Gundog Box to get people excited about it?
1: Yeah, so um, like I said, we have the monthly and the quarterlies, you know, and the way that it was run before we kind of took it over, you know, did really well for, for uh, the previous owner of it. Um, you know, just like anything, kind of whenever you take something over, you want to put your own spin on it. Yeah. Um, so the quarterly boxes were we're trying to focus on getting some bigger items in there um, and and maybe even some more items geared towards the hunter themselves as well. So we do, I guess, kind of an overview of a regular box every month is is we have treats in there for your dog every month. That's a a given. So the dogs like it. The dogs love it, yep, yep. (laughs) Um, So we do treats, and then we do, uh, about every other month, we do a hat or a T-shirt. And we do those. We don't do them. You don't have 25 gun dog box T-shirts, right? So for the waterfowl, we pick a waterfowl specific company. We put that hat or T-shirt in there, and same with the upland. So you're kind of getting a different company all the time, you know. So you're you're grabbing some some gear like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, anything from first aid stuff for your dogs to. Uh, well, I can tell you, uh, two months ago when we had the quarterlies go out, but we did it for all the boxes. We did uh, Mud River food storage bag oh. uh, that'll hold, like, I think uh, five pounds of food.
0: That's like that roll-top dry bag?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, so we threw those in there. Um, we do a lot of uh, in-the-field bowls, like the Mud River renegades mm-hmm. that kind of roll up, you know. Yep. Uh, guys really like those. I know we love them. We lose them all the time or they, bur- you know, whatever. But, yep. So you can kind of never have enough of those. So we try to throw some of those in there. And then we do some uh leather working, you know, softeners, stuff like that for your gear, you know, and, and kind of with working with the manufacturers. So some of the manufacturers that we work with, uh, you know, like Boit Harness, which a lot of people don't know, Mud River is under that. Mm-hmm. So Mud River, Boit Harness, uh, Browning, we do a lot of Browning stuff. Uh, you know, are a treat company and we're we've been gaining more and more since we've taken over as well. Um to kind of try to throw in, you know, so when you get something or you get your box every month, It's not just all dog, you know, or it's not just all hunter. We're trying to really mix that, you know, with a good mix. Uh, This month we just sent out in the waterfowl boxes a chest pouch that clips on. It's a Ducks Unlimited, bottomland camo, and I think it holds maybe 15 or 20 shells, and it's got a pocket and stuff. So, Oh, cool. You know, we try to, we do a lot of leashes and, and stuff like lanyards and stuff like that as well.
0: Yeah. So just trying to put different things in there to keep both canine and hunter happy all year long
1: yeah now that the season's kind of coming you know winding down around uh, right. around places we're starting to gear more towards training so you'll start seeing our subscriber subscribers will start seeing more training gear for their dogs in the off season you know stuff like that so we try to kind of nobody really wants uh you know i don't know maybe a new lanyard right now or something like that you know with the season going out something sure. that's gonna sit there all year so we're trying to kind of tailor them to what's happening now. So everybody's going to be starting to go into training mode. Maybe people are going to start going into puppy mode, you know, yeah. so we will we, we'll be gearing more towards that as well.
0: What are the different, are there, there are levels to gundog box? If, if somebody goes to say, hey, I want to sign up, subscribe, what are they going to be looking at?
1: Yeah, so right now we have, you can choose between waterfowl, upland, or combo, okay? Okay. And then uh, you can do our regular boxes, or you can do a small box for the monthlies. And then the quarterlies, you can do a waterfowl combo or upland, but they're all the same size. Um, one thing that we're, we're kind of looking at is getting kind of a higher end box that's gonna be a little bit more expensive. We don't know if we're gonna run it every month. We don't know if we're gonna just do quarterlies. Uh, it's gonna kind of depend on the feedback that we get on it. But we'd like to, to see if there's a market out there, I guess, for you know a higher end box That, um, you know, maybe you get a a dog vest or a pair of chaps or, you know, something like that, Um, you know, getting a little bit more bang for your buck, you know, throwing some of those kind of higher quality items in there, higher priced items in the boxes.
0: Got it. And generally speaking with these subscription services boxes, generally people are paying a fixed price, of course, and they're getting some kind of value beyond that. Is that how gundog box works?
1: Yeah, so for $48 a month, you are in our regular size box, our, our average size box, which uh, will give you a value of $65 to $70 a month worth of gear. Okay. Um, so, you know, good savings. Uh, you know, it's going to be there every month. The dogs love the treats. You know, that's probably our number one thing that people will comment back on is <laughs> you can't wait, you know, every month because the dog loves the treats. So definitely getting some good savings on that. Uh, it, it's cool. It's something that you know a lot of people say. Man, I, I love when I come home, drive up the driveway, and I see the gun dog box sitting on the front yeah. porch. You know, uh, something to look forward to, especially in the off season as well. You know, so that's going to be kind of our main uh, with just taking over. That's going to be kind of our main focus is is To continue to get new subscribers during this off season when maybe some people aren't thinking about hunting all the time, uh, we actually had uh, we'll throw you guys in there too. Uh, last month we we did Project Upland uh, magazine, that's right, yep, yep. So, uh, that was really cool. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback back about that. I, I hope to keep doing that with you guys, and we appreciate that you know, the partnership with you guys on that. Uh, yep. but yeah, that was that was really cool, and I know you guys have some other magazines and stuff as well that we might yeah and we got hunting
0: have. dog confidential that would probably make sense in both of those too so yeah yeah good stuff well circling way back to something you mentioned earlier thinking about a uh, new dogs and we got got me thinking about puppies and treats and stuff are you do you have any idea what you're going to do for your next dog or you don't have a deposit down anywhere do you
1: no i don't have a deposit okay and uh and, and so i'm i'm looking kind of out of the realm of what you see around here Uh, to be honest, and I'm looking for, and if anybody listening to this podcast can help me out here, that would be much appreciated, Uh, but I'm looking kind of towards maybe like a poodle pointer or a griffon or something like that, you know, we're, uh, I I don't know, I love those dogs, Um, they're not very prevalent around here, I think uh, think you guys have maybe some more out there in the Midwest, you know, some guys hunting with them, Uh, but we don't see a lot of them around here, and, and I'm kind of that guy that I like to do things a little differently sometimes, <laughs> you know. So I thought uh, maybe we'll give out a whirl. I don't, I don't know, though, yet.
0: Cool. Well, if anybody has any bright ideas for you, how could they reach out and find out more about Uplander Pro, Gundog Box, and perhaps get in touch with you, Kyle?
1: Yeah, so um, you can go on our social media pages uh, on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, you can send me, you know, direct messages that way. Uh, through those, um, or or you can shoot me an email. My email is klindy 3 at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from some people and, uh, and and if you guys, you know, if anybody has any questions on uh, on Gun Dog Box or Uplander Pro or any suggestions, hey, we're we're just a couple guys, you know, that are that are kind of working around the clock to try to make these things happen. And uh, if anybody can reach out and and say, hey, I'd really like to see this in your box, or hey, I'd really like to see this on your website uh you know i'm a very uh reachable guy please please do that and let me know
0: very cool man i appreciate it it's a long ways until september 2021 so thanks for coming on and uh talking to upland bird hunting with me a little bit
1: <laughs> yeah no thanks for having me nick and uh, and you know yep it's a long ways away but uh, but hopefully this will move quickly and, uh, and we'll be back in the field in no time.
0: Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again. Folks, go check out Gundog Box, Uplander Pro. And uh, thanks for chatting with me today, Kyle. Thanks, Nick. All right. Later. Thanks for tuning in to the Project Upland Podcast. That does it for this episode of the show. A quick reminder that the Project Upland Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, CZUSA, DogTRA, Electronic Shooters Protection, Sage and Breaker, and Dakota 283. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Project Upland Podcast. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries, They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself
1: podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.